Hey, I'm Gus. Welcome to the Reach Australia podcast. Our vision is to see thousands of healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches all across Australia. You've hit play on a seminar from the Reach Australia conference. And this is Dan Ford running the seminar called Building Leaders. Enjoy. Uh, but we, we all know uh, the importance of having leaders in church. Um, uh, that's why you're here. We know this both from the Bible and from experience. So we know it from the Bible. Jesus' strategy for taking the gospel out to the world was Ephesians 4, to give us uh, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, so that they could take the gospel out and spread it. Paul, his strategy was, um, is, you know, uh, Titus, Crete. He leaves Titus there and he says, I left you there so that you could appoint elders. You appoint leaders, people who would care for this people. And, uh, and the expectation, um, is it 2 Timothy 2.2, is that um, what you've learned from me, you entrust to others. And so there's this uh, generational passing on of the gospel to lead the people of God. So we're not from the Bible, but we, we just know it from experience as well, that, um, you know, say your church wants to start a new ministry, you want to start a youth group, how can you do it? You need someone to lead it. Whether it's you or whether it's someone else, you need someone to be a leader, uh, someone to take responsibility for that ministry happening, uh, someone to lead. And so uh, let, me give you, let me give you some, if that wasn't enough for you, let me give you some cracking quotes here. Uh, this is from um, a book called Building Leaders by Malthus and Mancini. This is an excellent book, um, particularly chapter three. So if you can read chapter three, online, like on Google, whatever, then you don't have to buy it. You just read that chapter. So here you go. Uh, the key to ministry is and always has been competent, godly leadership. Here's another one. Leadership is the, not from a Christian guy, leadership is the most important factor in the success of any team or organisation. And Peter Drucker, people determine the performance capacity of an organisation. No organisation can do better and the people that it has, and particularly the leaders. Now, we all know the importance of leaders. Let me now talk to you about the need and the importance of leadership development. We all know that leaders are important. We often feel the burden of not having enough leaders. One of those myths is that um, as church gets big, you get more and more resource, and so things become easier. It's actually not true. If you remember the bed and the blanket thing from yesterday, uh, from Graham's talk, uh, the bed just gets bigger. So the need for leaders stays the same. We just need more leaders. And so we at church at every level, at every layer, wherever, we're always uh, have this deep need and the burden for more leaders. And here's the key question. Uh, where are we going to get leaders from? What's your church's strategy for getting more leaders? Well, here's some options. Um, we can uh, hope and pray that they start... Um, moving into the area, you know, um, perhaps in some uh, uni context that, that will happen, that you'll have a, a trickle of, um, of young, competent people who come and, and be leaders. Um, perhaps they'll bubble up from the surface all by themselves in your churches. Um, that's awesome. If that can happen, fantastic. But if that's your strategy, it's not a very uh, great strategy. So that's one way it could happen. Um, second, we could hire more highly competent leaders, you could hire more staff, um, but there's two problems with that, isn't there? What are the problems with doing that? Some 
Where's give me the cash? Yeah, who's got cash for that to just keep hiring the amount of leaders that you need? And even if you were to do that, every staff member's capacity to um, every staff member's capacity only stretches so far, and so um, one person can only disciple so many people. One person can only run so many teams. And so, what option are you left with? You got to build leaders. Or we, uh, we, we prefer the language used, we're like, we've got to make leaders. We've got to make leaders ourselves. And so we heard a bunch of this uh, from Graham yesterday. Uh, for us to personally make leaders from within teams, kind of parachuting into teams and, uh, and becoming the leader, but drawing someone alongside us and showing them the ropes, here's how you do it, here's how you do it, now it's yours, run free, little one. Uh, or from without. Uh, outside a team, appointing someone but coaching them. But you've got to make leaders. We've got to do it personally. We've got to make leaders. But secondly, we can make leaders by creating a system, a training hospital that seeks to nurture and develop and grow leaders. And what I want to say is that uh, the problem with our lack of leaders in churches is in reality a problem of a lack of leadership development. The problem with our lack of leaders is a problem with leadership development. The reason we don't have enough leaders is because we're not making them. And so here's another Malthus quote for us. The solution to the leadership crisis in our churches is to do a much better job of leadership development. Not the preparation of better senior pastors or church staffs alone but the development of committed leaders at every level of the organisation. A godly senior pastor and excellent staff can accomplish only so much. The church's aim should be to train as many leaders as possible and to have competent leadership at every level of ministry. The problem is with leadership development. And so, the question for us today is, how do we get leadership development happening in our churches? Um, now, I've got, um, I've got some steps uh, to take towards getting leadership development happening in our churches. I want to say that um, these are not silver bullets. We've heard a bit of that. They're kind of more like Nerf bullets. Um, Nerf bullet, you know, you, you shoot someone with a Nerf bullet, uh, what's it going to do? But a very well-aimed Nerf bullet toward the eyeball is still painful, can still do some damage. It's, these, are not serious, uh, these are not silver bullets, but um, they're very helpful. They're very helpful things. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I've got five things. Uh, I think there's five, something like that. Um, but I'm really keen for this not to just be talking head. Uh, I'm going to critique the talking head um, way of making leaders very soon. So um, please interrupt me at any point. Um, let's chat. Let's share together. I don't know everything about this. And so um, let's, I'm keen to hear from you. So at any point, interrupt, ask questions. Let's, um, let's chat together. All right, Nerf bullet number one. Nerf bullet, that didn't really work, did it? All right, I'll change that for next time. Uh, so here's some steps to take toward getting leadership development happening in our churches. Step number one, make someone responsible for leadership development. Uh, we've all, you're all being very quiet, but we've all agreed uh, that uh, there's a need for leadership development um, and that leadership development, uh, that ministries won't happen unless we 
have someone to lead it. That youth group we want to start isn't going to happen unless we've got someone to take charge and lead it. Same with leadership development. Unless we have someone who takes responsibility for making leadership development happen in our churches, it just won't happen. Or, or it will to the degree that individuals take responsibility for it in their own area because they care about their area. But if we don't have someone thinking about leadership development as a whole, how it can work in the ecosystem, it just won't happen. We won't have our eye to the systems and the structures, to doing training well, so it won't happen. So this is a foundational piece to get in place. Um, uh, now, we do, need, we do need everyone in our churches, uh, all our teams, all our leaders, all our pastors, uh, everybody um, thinking leadership. Uh, all of us need to be thinking you know, say you're in the kids' world, all of us need to be thinking, how do I raise up another kids' team leader to make this ministry work? If you're in the membership world, all, you need to be thinking, how do I have another team, welcoming team member? We all need to be thinking that. But unless we t- have someone who takes responsibility for the whole thing happening, uh, a bunch of things too easily fall by the wayside in two, two big ways. If you don't have someone responsible for this area, for this thing, championing it, the rest of us won't be held accountable. And so some will fire. Those ministries that rely and depend upon making leaders consistently, those will have to fire, otherwise they'll die. So your night congregation, your growth groups in your night congregation when it's a a uni context or quite a transitory context, if you don't make growth group leaders every year, well, you just don't have growth groups. And so the whole thing doesn't work. So that area will likely function well and fire but other other areas, man, we've got that. We've had Mary Sue, and she's been a faithful, committed kids leader, and she's just going to keep doing it, and she's doing a great job. So we're not thinking about it, and so that'll fall by the wayside there. So we need someone to champion it for us to be in our ear, all the rest of the areas. And secondly, um, if we don't have someone responsible for leadership development, we won't pay attention to creating the system, to working the structures, to creating efficiencies, to helping us do this better together. Um, we'll have some areas firing and others won't. Um, and so who to make responsible? How do, you, how do you figure out who to make responsible for leadership development? Um, well, uh, it could be a senior pastor. Um, your senior pastor is responsible for everything. Uh, they're the leader. They always maintain responsibility, I think. Um, but like with every other area, uh, once they're able to move it off into someone else's hands and to light the candle so that they now take responsibility as well, um, you know, there's just too many things for uh, one person to, to focus on. And so who can you have who can spare some energy and effort to focus on this as their thing? Someone who can happily be the annoying person and annoy the other people saying, hey, are you making leaders? Hey, do you reckon you should come to that training night? Can you get your team members here? We're going to run this thing. Who's happy to do that? Help them create org charts. Help them talk about the process of leaders in training. And so there's the first big thing. It's very simple, but it's, it's the recognition that um, to run anything, you need someone to lead it. To run leadership development, you're going to need someone to lead it. And so... Um, here's a little reflection for a reflection exercise for you. Just take 30 seconds. Who is currently responsible for leadership development in your church? Well, what I'm what I'm advocating for is that unless you have someone to champion, like we have someone championing welcoming, unless you have someone championing the 
the ministry of developing leaders across our church, that it's still, you will still develop leaders in pockets, but you will not have the same sort of efficiencies um, as if you, had, when, if you had someone whose role was to think, we as a church ecosystem are going to develop leaders. That's what I'm arguing for. Let's push on. Um, second big thing to do to make leadership development happen in your churches is give people a go at leadership. Um, now, if you're at the previous 400 plus seminar, I spoke quite a lot about this, but I'm going to talk about it again. Um, create and give people opportunity to become leaders. Uh, now, um, I told this story in the last one, but the, the brief version of um, the way I became a... Uh, a leader in church here was that my, the first ministry I led was the kids ministry and um, and the person who pulled me into the kids ministry uh, would reflect back now and we'd laugh about it that uh, he did a terrible job of, um, of recruiting me as a leader uh, or as training me as a leader but what he did was he just got me in and he probably got me to, in too early but he just got me in and said hey you want to do this thing you should do it and I'm going to go over here cool go and, uh, and so I was totally out of my depth, um, but I was passionate about trying to share the gospel in my bumbling, fumbling ways. And so just the very, um, the very context of being in the position of having to lead something was the key thing to helping me kind of um, in ministry become a leader. And then from, you know, kids leading, it could move into growth group and whatever else. Now, uh, this is a recognition that most of the learning that we do happens by doing something. And so, forgive me, you were here last session, but um, there's this uh, adult learning theory that says um, 70, uh, 70, 20, 10. You heard this before? Some have heard this. Um, 70% of um, what uh, you absorb uh, as a leader, or in learning anything as an adult, 70% of what you absorb and that transforms you is by doing something. 20% of what changes you to now equip you to do a thing is by your interaction with others, coaching, um, talking to people, getting feedback, um, debriefing. And 10% of your learning is through this. It's the formal instructional content. So I'm going to talk to you, you know, talk at you for an hour. You're going to get some ideas, but it's not going to change you to be suddenly be a someone who develops leaders. You're not going to walk out of here now as this hugely competent leader developer person, um, you're going to have some content, but it's if you actually go and try something and make a mistake and then try it again, and that's going to be the thing that will shift you. And so, um, if that is the case, and those ratios probably aren't exact, it probably shifts for different things. And, um, but this is the, this is the basic principle um, that most people learn by doing. And so, uh, that's why we have teaching hospitals. You know, we have our, our med students, they don't just go through uni, and then pop out the other end and they're doctors with no oversight. They, um, you know, you have your training hospitals. I fell through a glass door like this last year. You probably can't see, but I've got lots of scars. And when um, big cuts all over my face and I lost teeth and these are fakies. And, um, but when they were sewing up my face, the, uh, the head emergency doctor brought along his trainee. And he, said, he looked at him and he said, how are you doing? How are you at Sutures? And, um, and I thought, this is my face, guys. Like, <laughs> but he's committed to training. And so this guy's studied, but now he's saying, Here, here's the knife and whatever, and here's the stuff, so sew so this guy's face up. And so he did one, 
And then the guy came back and he looked at it and he said, yeah, you do a good job. You can do the rest. And so training hospital, it's why practicing is the thing that will shift. And, and so the pressure on that guy to, you know, do my face well, he's now going to be much better at it. It's why um, people who go through TAFE uh, initially come out in comparison to people who've gone through uni doing the same thing, people who've gone through TAFE initially come out far more competent because they've got all the practical experience and the uni people catch up and then probably overtake them eventually. Um, and so if we want to uh, make leaders within our church, the big thing, and this is kind of a silver bullet, the big thing is you just got to give people leadership opportunities. You've got to say, hey, I'm going to make you a leader. You can, you can run this thing. I know you're no good at it right now, but you can do it. Here, do it. So there's the big, and it's the, the, the main way people learn will be by doing. It's the 70. And so what I love about this is um, all of us can do that. We, you don't need some fancy leadership corporate kind of, you don't need some fancy program to make leaders in the, in the first instance. All you need to do is go, hey, Bob, can you run that team? Good on you. And that's a bulk of the way to getting there. So the first, the first step is make someone responsible. But the second one is a really simple thing. It's let's give people a go. Let's create opportunities for people in our church to actually become leaders, to lead that kid's team, to have a crack at leading a growth group, to lead on that welcoming team or whatever it may be. Now, I do want to talk to you about fancy leadership development programs as well. But that's, that's the real key thing. And I love it because all of us can do that. And so a uh, quick little reflection thing for us. Um, what's something that you are currently doing at church, leading at church, that uh, if you took the time, you could hand that over to someone else? What's something you're currently leading that you could actually give to someone else? Just take 30 seconds to think about that. Uh, I reckon a really helpful place to begin uh, with thinking about this stuff is to um, get out your pen and draw an org chart. Um, now, uh, you know how org charts work? Um, uh, a mistake people make when trying to draw a chart of how we are organized, because that's what it is, it's here's how we're organized. They don't draw how we are organized, they draw um, things I'm responsible for. And so I can put into boxes, say I'm, say I'm responsible for uh, growth groups, I can put into boxes um, training materials, uh, teaching content, growth groups, uh, training leaders, they're all things that you're meant to do, but it's not how you're organized. Now, maybe it is how you're organized, but really how we're organized is I lead three key leaders and under those three key leaders, they each lead six growth group leaders. And under each growth group leader, there are 12 growth group members. So an org chart should kind of always look like this. And so if you can um, draw your organizational chart, how you are organized and how you manage, what you'll be able to do is get a lay of the land and see where you have leaders and where you don't have leaders. And so if you can do that, you'll find perhaps what you may find is that your name exists in three growth groups or in three bands or something like that. And you say, I, I'm, in, I'm doing all these things what if I could get up and over that and pull people up into those roles? 
So draw, drawing, sketching out your org charts are a really helpful um, way to begin, getting a lay of the land. Let me give you the third thing, uh, the third, third step toward creating um, more leaders in our churches. Uh, in order to give other people a go, um, we personally need to create a shift in our focus. Uh, we need to create a shift in us from being someone who does to being a multiplier, from being a doer to a multiplier. And, um, and a key part of this, I think, is becoming an outcome thinker. Um, and so, uh, what is the role of us as um, church workers, ministers? Well, um, teach the Bible, do evangelism, visit the sick. Now, those are all good, but they're all inputs. They're all tasks to do. What if you were to flip it and to think about what's the big outcome that God wants for His people? And then, what are the things I'm going to do to achieve that outcome? But if you frame it in terms of your outcomes that you're after, well, uh, informed by the Word, then it's, um, I as a minister want to see multitudes of people saved and deepened in their Christ-likeness and their being on mission and their loving and glorifying Jesus with all their lives. So there's, there's the big thing, uh, frame it like that, and now suddenly I feel very small and I can see that it's only if I can pull others alongside with me that we're going to have any hope of doing any of that because that's such a massive task for our people in our church. And so I need to shift my focus from, um, uh, I just do this thing, I teach that class, da, 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 to um, we want to see multitudes of people saved and discipled. So it's not enough that I just teach that class. We need 30 more classes of Scripture going. And so I need to start not teaching that class so I can train up. And so you switch to outcome thinking and immediately you see the need to develop and multiply because I'm not enough and I can't do it. I'm just one person. So I need the body of Christ alongside me. We need to do this together. Um, now, qualification, this is not to say that there aren't things that you won't be particularly gifted for. And so um, we had a question about that earlier or a comment about that. Um, you know, if you're the senior minister, then uh, I do think you are personally... You know, it's your role to be the main Bible teacher. Um, but even then, you should be thinking, uh, what do we want? We want to see multitudes of people converted to Jesus and deepened and saved. And, and I'm only doing it over this many people. And so I want more of that to happen. So I'm going to work with my assistant as well. And we're going to talk together about preaching well. And then eventually I'm going to say, go away and you go around a church over there. Because we're thinking bigger, we're thinking multiplication, we're thinking, how can we do more together? Um, and so if you're the youth pastor, you know, you're, um, you're constantly, a youth pastor is a, is a great example of this, you're always having to be thinking, because you've always got this fresh kind of crew of team cycling through every few years, you've always got to be training, you're always investing in a few more to teach, teach and train them to preach, more leaders, more leaders. And so we need a shift in our mindset from being a, just a, a doer of tasks to the task is massive that we want to see happen under God. And so I need others, I need a multiplier to see that happen at all. And so along with that shift in focus, uh, there comes a few things uh, that need to change in us personally, doesn't there? Uh, it'll mean a shift uh, in our values. Uh, it'll mean a shift in our time, how we use our time. And it will mean a shift for us in our skills and so this is the, um, the key insight in the leadership pipeline. Uh, can you put your hand up if you have seen the leadership pipeline? Awesome. Okay. 
the leadership pipeline is, um, you know, it's, it's this, it looks like this. Um, and the key insight here is that when you move from being a team member, move over here a sec, when you move from being a team member up to a team leader, up to an area leader, up to a department leader, to a senior leader, that there is a significant shift that goes on in how you use your time, your skills, and your values. And so, uh, for us, uh, if we're going to be people who um, become ministry, uh, become multipliers of leaders, um, our time application is going to change. We're going to have to shift from being those who spend our time doing the ministry to spending our time with another person to get them to do the ministry. And so my time becomes uh, locking in a meeting with Bob, who I'm training up to be in this role, to talk to him about how to be a good welcoming team guy. And two days before that, I'm going to schedule you know, time to plan that meeting so I actually know what I'm going to talk to Bob about. So now my time's focused on him and the preparation to do that rather than running that team myself. So your time's going to have to change. Your skills are going to have to change though. Um, we're going to need to learn the skill of envisioning others, of getting people on board for serving in this kind of way, of giving up their time, of, of being captured to um, giving themselves in a greater capacity to the work of the Lord and for the Lord. We're going to have to learn how to run those meetings effectively, um, give good feedback to people uh, who are discipling into these roles. And so we're going to have to learn those new skills ourselves. There's going to be a shift for us. And of course, the, the most crucial change is that heart change that needs to go on. Because for us, um, to not be the one who, do, who leads the growth group, man, that's really painful. To not be the one who's, just do, who's meeting one-to-one um, but becomes the person who trains the one-to-oneers, that's a really painful thing to go through. And so, um, uh, forgive me for those who are at the last session again, but um, this can be difficult for us for a few reasons. Uh, it means uh, embracing uncertainty. When you, when you pull a, a new person into a leadership role, you've got to embrace the uncertainty of how well your ministry team's going to go. You know, I was the leader of that thing and I owned it and it was my baby and I gathered the team and now I'm giving it to this person. I'm not sure if they're going to do a good job. So you've got to give up some control. It means slowing down because, man, I can just do this thing. I've been doing it for a long time. I can do it well. If I give it to this person, it's going to take her a long time to get up to the same kind of speed as where I was. So slowing down in order to speed up eventually. But then there's the identity issues that we can have as well, aren't there, in ministry? Where um, doing this thing and being good at this thing, being the, a good preacher, that was, that was part of my identity. And I loved the validation that I got from doing that. If I'm to do that less and train others to do that, well, then I kind of lose that kind of validation that I needed. So it, it's going to challenge us at that identity issue as well. And so there are, there are changes that need to go on for us personally if we're going to become people who make leaders. Now, quick reflection, um, uh, can you, you know, on your phone or with a pen, list 10 things you do regularly, 10 responsibilities you have, and next to it, can you write do, these are things I do, or multiply, these are things I'm doing for the sake of multiplying and making leaders. Can you do that? Take a minute.
Now, sometimes the things we do are also multiplication things. Preaching is a multiplication thing because I'm discipling people. I'm trying to shift their worldview so that they think more and more that I should be using all of my life for Jesus. Let me give you a, a helpful tool. Some of you will, may have seen this. This is essentially just a reordered um, uh, uh, situational leadership kind of document. Um, uh, so some of you might be thinking, yeah, I love the idea of making more leaders. I really want to do that. Um, but how do I actually do it? <laughs> what's, what's the how? Well, here's a bit of a how for you. Um, and this is the um, walking alongside. The key here is that, um, you know, 70, 20, 10. We want to take someone from not being a leader, a ministry to lead. 20% is kind of doing this, us together talking. And so being a good coach, basically. And so what do you do? Well, uh, at first, you're the top layer. Um, you get alongside the person. And so uh, this, is the, this is Graham's. Graham makes leaders from within the team or from without the team point a leader and this is kind of from within the team you're in the team and you you appoint a leader in training and you say do you want to be a lead i want you to become the leader of this team i've got to get out of here and go do another thing you'll be great and look at the what you could do for the kingdom um or maybe you have that conversation slightly better but uh but so what you do is you say hey i'm gonna um i'm gonna run this meeting this week um so what i want you to do is just watch me i'm gonna do it you watch and then afterwards we're gonna chat about it and so you run the briefing meeting with your team. You run that. He watches you. At the end, you guys chat. You go, what did you notice? What do you think I did well? What didn't I do so well? What could we do dif differently? Cool. And then, second step is, you plan together what you'll do differently next time. And we're going to talk about this thing. And yeah, you had a really good reflection. Let's do that. So next time, you still do it, but they've helped you in the process. And then at the end of it, you chat again. By now, they've seen you do it, you've talked together, they get a sense of, I reckon I could probably do this, this is simple enough. And so, the next time, they do it, but you've helped plan it with them. Yeah, yeah, you should talk about that and remember um, Sue, she's got that thing going on, so be sensitive to that and whatever. Uh, and then, so they, they have a crack, they have a go, and at the end, you chat. And you know, you can do your, um, your sandwich of, feed, your feedback sandwich, you did this really well, Here's one thing to work on, but great job. Um, so some love, something to work, or good, grow, go. Remember that tool from yesterday? This is what you did really well. This is really good. Keep doing that. Here's something to grow in. I reckon you could try this next time. Um, so go and whatever. And then finally, it's all them. You've trained them. That's quite a thorough process. You've talked to them three times about it. By the fourth time, they're ready. You go... Uh, have you got this? You're happy to plan that? Cool. I'm gonna, I'll be there if you need me, but you go ahead. It's yours. And so um, they do it. You watch and then you chat at the end. But they've kind of, you've not helped them plan. The other one is, this is just another version of doing situational leadership. And so at the beginning, uh, you make someone a, a leader of, of uh, a team and it's quite heavy um, directive style leadership where for the first term, I'm just going to keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. Here's what you need to do. Here's the aim that you're, this is the outcome you're after. Here's how you do it. You lead the team like this. And here's what we should see as the results. And then next time we catch up, just, just want to clarify again with you, just keep setting the big picture for you. Here's what we're doing. Here's how you're doing it. How's things going? So very directive style. Eventually, they start to, um, it becomes more supporting kind of style of leadership where they know that. How are you going? Do you think, do you need me at all? 
and eventually they're fully empowered and they're doing it themselves and, you know, they just run for it. So that, this is, a, I think, another kind of framing of situational leadership. All right. We'll press on. So the first step for making more leaders in church is make someone responsible for thinking about doing this in church. Um, second is, uh, all throughout church, let's all of us think, um, who can we give a go, give a crack at being a leader in what roles? Third, shift your mindset to this is all, all of us on team, however many there are, our job is to make leaders. My job is to multiply myself, to not just do the ministry all the time, but to step up and over and pull other people up. And so I step in and I train this person up and then I'm out. And I come in here and I step in and I train this person up and then I'm out. Now, if all of our, imagine if every ministry worker thought like that. If everyone, in, you know, over the kids' ministry, over the welcoming ministry, over the bands, imagine if all of us thought my job is to make myself redundant. And so I'm, I'm in the lives of people in the congregation and I'm talking to them about what could you do and uh, I raise them up. How much more would we get done for Jesus? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Fourth thing is the fancy leadership development program stuff. So here's the fourth thing, which is train leaders in generic leadership skills. And here's why you need someone who's thinking particularly leadership development. But that's their thing. What time does this finish, by the way? Six o'clock? 5.30? I'm not going to go to six o'clock. 5.30. 5.30 or any time before then. That's what you're all thinking. Train leaders in generic... Well, we're up to four. I think there's only five. So train leaders in generic leadership skills. Um, uh, when we recruit people into ministry, into our ministry teams, I think often the thing we think about uh, is we need to train them in the thing that's specific to that ministry area. And necessarily so. So you, you recruit someone into your kids' team and you think the thing I need to train them in is I need to train them in running a Bible study with the kids and giving a kids talk. And, and so we, we have to do those things, the, the ministry-specific skills. Um, but what happens when you recruit someone to lead the kids' team? Well, now the key skills they need aren't kids' ministry things. Now the key skills they need are leadership things. And so there are fundamentally different skills required in being a kid's team member to being a kid's team leader. Um, the kid's team leader needs to be able to communicate with the team, run briefing and debriefing meetings, give vision for why they're serving, instruct other team members on their roles, give feedback, all of that stuff. And that's all generic leadership stuff. And so if that's the case, that all across our different ministries at church, there are these leaders, Lord willing, uh, volunteer leaders who all actually just need the same stuff, doesn't matter if they're in kids or in membership or whatever, well, what we can do is we can pull all of them together and we can train them on those things and that would be incredibly efficient. Um, now, that's not to say, again, that uh, ministry-specific skills aren't exceptional, in, in, uh, very important, particularly uh, music ministry is a great example of that. Um, but for the most part, what we need is generic stuff. So this is an insight from a book called The Leadership Code by a guy named Ulrich. can't remember his first name. Um, but this uh, Leadership Code, uh, this uh, dude 
uh, guys in America, they um, did a huge survey of a bunch of leaders in all these different organizations and tried to boil down what are the, um, what are the common things across all these leaders that, it, that that's the key ingredient that makes a key leader. And, uh, and what they came across is that um, no matter what you're leading, it's 70% of um, what makes you a good leader is the, are these generic leadership skills. And then there's a 30 that, you know, if you know that particular organization, that particular thing, that's really helpful. And so if the main thing required for someone to be a good leader is just generic stuff, um, well, we need to pay attention to training them in those, that generic stuff. How do you run a meeting? We need to train every, all of our team leaders in how to run a meeting. And so here's where we can talk the system. You know, if, uh, if everyone needs these same things, we can create a system that sees all of our leaders trained in these things so that we don't have our kids, guys, and our membership people and our music people replicating the same stuff over and over and over again. We can just pull them all together and do it once. And whilst we do that, we can get them all talking and sharing about their experience of leading as well and send them out to then go and try it again. And so for us um, here at church, this is where the leadership development area um, really kind of steps in and starts thinking about not just, uh, I'm not just thinking about one area, I'm thinking about all of us and all of our areas. I'll tell you another reason why it's important for uh, there to be a person who's thinking about that. And so for us, uh, we, we do the M, so we've got the ministry M, and under ministry, we've got the recruiting team, and we've also got the development stuff, and MTS fits under that. And, but the recruit team really care about the quality of the teams that we're recruiting into people into, because they care about those people we're recruiting. This is a discipleship thing for them. And so if I'm recruiting people into a, a mission team that's really unhealthy, because the leader's not functioning well, I don't want to put them there. And so I'm going to be resistant to encouraging that to happen. And so leaders recruit and develop are uh, thinking together about how can we help that area, those leaders function really well so that new people who come in to serve are, being, are going into good teams, that our leaderships are, are helping well. And so um, leadership, the leadership development uh, people can start thinking about efficient ways to do that generic training. Um, perhaps it's running a training night. We can gather them all together. We can talk to them about how to run a meeting and then we can send them out into, you know, all the kids people, all the kids leaders together, all the welcoming team leaders together and they can, they can land it in their context. Well, here's the kinds of meetings we're doing and here's how we're going to try and do it well. So perhaps it's the, the training night type of thing. Um, if you've not looked into Ministry Grid, have you heard of... Um, I've got not, not got any slides for it. Uh, but uh, Reach have, um, have uh, got this thing called the Ministry Grid happening, uh, which is a, an online tool with lots of this generic leadership training stuff uh, already pre-packaged and made. And so there's, there's you know, myriads of uh, videos created by Australian people within our network talking about here's how you run a meeting. And so you don't have to reinvent the wheel yourself. You don't have to become some brainiac leadership guru, which none of us are. You can, you can subscribe to that. And, um, EV, we haven't done that because we had already created all our own videos and we have to, haven't kind of blended into the system yet anyway. But so 
um, how can the leadership person, the person responsible, help create system structures for batch training of people, uh, creating a culture where all of the leaders across church are thinking development, doing this type of stuff. Um, and we're still trying to pay attention to the 70-20-10 principle, uh, that we're not relying on our training events to be the, the silver bullet for training leaders. In fact, they're only the 10. It's the, it's the tiny little minute thing. It's the 10. Or here's some content, how to run a meeting. But now that you've had that little flick of content, you know, you should pray at the beginning. You should read a Bible verse. That'd be good. Um, you should tell people where the meeting's being held. Yeah. Now you've had this flick of content, they then go back, they've chatted about it together, iron sharpens iron, and then they go and practice it. And the first time they do it, their meeting kind of stinks. But the second and third time, they get better. And so, even in the context of thinking leadership development system structures, it's, it, it's, this kind of training stuff is the real little thing. Uh, still do it. Still talk to people about how to have meetings. But man, it's, it's only the tiny little thing. The big thing is doing it in the context of relationships. Uh, we do this with our MTSs. Uh, the big thing for us with MTS is that we give them significant leadership, uh, a significant area of ministry to lead, to have responsibility for, because that's the thing that's going to train them. And so I, as the leadership development guy overseeing MTS, I still give them content, train them in certain stuff, but it's just a little, that's kind of, it's almost nothing. The big thing is that they, they fuel by ideas, but then they go and they practice. We do this as a staff team. Uh, after our Bible studies on Monday afternoons, not every week, but kind of fortnightly, we'll talk about something together. We'll talk about um, some ministry, some thing that's gone on, uh, uh, or some, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did an overview of the seven habits, Covey stuff. We'll just read those together. We'll chat about them. There's some content for us to think about. We'll chat about it together, and then we go and we try and practice. All right, I've got one more quick one and then we're done. Does that sound good? Um, finally, uh, measure how leadership development's going in church. Measure how it's going. Uh, we measure what we value. You know, you've heard that phrase before. Uh, do, you measure, do you measure how many converts you see every year? I hope you guys do. Uh, do you measure how many people are welcomed into and connected into church life with us? I hope you're measuring that. Uh, do you measure how many people you take from not being a leader to them being a leader? That would be a great thing to do. That would help us see if we're winning or we're, we're dropping the ball significantly. So how many leaders How many leaders do we need? Measure that. Get your org charts going across church. See the gap. Yeah, oh, I'm in all those spots. I need to get out of that. We need to raise a leader up there, there, there. Across church... That means we need 20 leaders by the end of next year or whatever. Okay, so measure that. How many leaders do you need? How many leaders are, are currently in the process of being made? How many leaders in training do you have? On your org chart, you, I'm here, I've got this growth group leader here and they've got a leader in training. But this growth group doesn't have a leader in training. Measure that. How many leaders are being trained in um, the sp ministry specific stuff? Are we doing that training? How many of our leaders are being trained in the generic leadership stuff? Are we doing any of that? 
um, put numbers to those questions. We need six leaders. Uh, we're only we've got two leaders in the in the process of people in the process of becoming leaders. Um, we've got zero people doing any training whatsoever. Put numbers to those. Track how you're actually going. And let me finish with this quote. Uh, another one by uh, Malthus and Mancini, that Building Leaders book. And it looks like it's from chapter three again. So just read chapter three. There you go. Everything rises or falls on leadership. As the ministry's leadership goes, so goes the organization. And the quality of any ministry is in direct proportion to the quality of its leadership. The quality of any ministry is in direct proportion to the quality of its leadership. Because so goes the leader, so goes the organization. Hope you found that helpful with Dan Ford talking about uh, building leaders. Now, if you found a building leaders, uh, that seminar helpful, you'd actually find a building leaders day even more helpful uh, we've got upcoming dates that you can come and join us with all you've got to do is head to the reach australia website reachaustralia.com.au forward slash building leaders 